I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Today, we're taking a trip to West Oakland, specifically to the Prescott, or Lower Bottoms, one of the city's oldest neighborhoods. At the turn of the 20th century, the Prescott was known as the Harlem of the West. Because it had all these amazing jazz clubs and bars, and it was really a hub for Black culture. That's Chronicle reporter Susie Nielsen. She's been reporting in the neighborhood. Its history runs deep. The Prescott was home to the Black Panther headquarters during the 70s. Founder Huey Newton was gunned down at the corner of 10th and Center. The Prescott has also been kind of a victim of government neglect, Certain actions like the construction of a freeway through the middle of the neighborhood and urban renewal programs displaced many Black families. And fast forward to the present day. Over the last decade or so, the neighborhood has been kind of a nexus of gentrification in Oakland. It's been one of the fastest gentrifying neighborhoods. The Prescott was also struck hard by the Great Recession, which has made it a prime target for corporate investors. Susie Nielsen knows a lot about that. Last year, she helped report a Chronicle investigation and build a database that looked at home ownership trends across the Bay Area. Increasingly, property ownership and management have become corporatized. Large corporations, funds, and even wealthy families purchase properties under different LLCs and trusts. That's what's been happening in the Prescott. And as you might have guessed, it's meant displacement of some long-term residents and tensions between tenants and landlords. Today on Fifth Emission, Susie Nielsen will tell us about one of Oakland's largest private rental property owners, Sullivan Management Company, or SMC. SMC's owner is Neil Sullivan. He's part of an emerging class of corporate landlords across the country who have made millions by buying up and renting out homes in disproportionately Black low-income neighborhoods like the Prescott. He says he's put money back into the community, but SMC tenants have complained about poor living conditions and illegal eviction threats. We'll hear from one SMC tenant, Linda, who shares why she's concerned. And I feel like SMC snatching up so many properties and really just kind of dominating the market in that way has made um, made my city a, a much different place. But let's start with Chronicle reporter Susie Nielsen. She'll explain the growth of corporate landlords in the Bay Area and across the country and how that trend is impacting tenants and the culture of neighborhoods. Here's my conversation with Susie Nielsen. Susie, your latest story looks at the impact of corporate landlords, something that you've looked at for some time now. And you zoomed in on one particular neighborhood of West Oakland called the Prescott or Lower Bottoms. Why focus on this neighborhood? The reason that I was interested in this neighborhood in particular is because I knew that a lot of West Oakland had seen big investments by large corporate owners of properties in the 2010s following the Great Recession, when you know thousands of families lost their homes. And so I was curious to see how corporate ownership might change a neighborhood. As I started reporting, I realized quickly through the data that this one person um, whose companies purchased you know, hundreds of home- homes in this area was kind of the only really good subject for this story. And that person you're talking about is named Neil Sullivan. Tell me more about him. Who is he? Neil Sullivan is a 49-year-old man who has founded a property management company called SMC for Sullivan Management Company, SMC East Bay. And he purchased uh, at least 
290-something buildings over the last 12 or so years. That's not counting homes that he's sold because his companies have also sold a lot. And when you think about like a corporate landlord, he really doesn't fit your profile, or at least he didn't fit mine. He's posted a lot of pictures of himself marching in BLM protests. He has donated to a lot of Democrats. He's a really big fan of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And he also talks a lot about how much he cares about the community that he serves. My general kind of like stereotypical image of a corporate landlord is very much like monopoly man energy. And that's really not what he gives off. He talks about being very invested in the community. Um, But at the same time, he also has donated to a lot of real estate industry associations in California, organizations that have fought against rent control protections. So there's that other side to him, I would say. Tell me more about his company, Sullivan Management Company or SMC. How is that company representative of corporate ownership trends nationally? These are people who have really figured out how to monetize the business of rental property ownership and really scale it beyond what you would call a traditional mom and pop landlord. And we usually define that as someone who owns fewer than 10 properties. So Sullivan is kind of a mid to large sized corporate landlord. There was a really big boom in corporate purchasing around the 2008 recession when home values plummeted and a lot of banks were only accepting cash for these homes. Um, And Sullivan himself was able to raise like millions and millions of dollars to purchase these homes outright in cash. And I talked to some real estate industry experts who said that this trend is only going to continue. So this one report from Yardi Matrix, which is a real estate data group, said that institutional investors, aka these corporate landlords, will likely own 40% of single family rentals by 2030. So landlords like Sullivan are purchasing a lot of homes in places they see as undervalued, which are often lower income, disproportionately black neighborhoods. So the Prescott at the time that Neil Sullivan started making his purchases was disproportionately black and lower income relative to the rest of Oakland. These properties that he purchased have really appreciated a lot um, in the last decade or so. So the bet paid off and his investments have really made significant returns for both him and his co-investors. A lot of money has been made from buying homes in these neighborhoods. At the same time, a lot of tenant advocates are raising concerns about the rise of these corporate landlords. What are the differences that they found in the way that they manage properties versus mom and pop landlords? A lot of tenant advocates are concerned that the ability of these corporate landlords to kind of maximize efficiency and profit can come at the expense of habitability. There was a 2019 study done in Milwaukee that found when properties changed hands from individual owners to LLC owners, signs of housing disinvestment increased, which they saw as code violations, like has leaks or mold or something. Um, So that's one issue that tenant advocates are concerned about. And the other thing that a lot of tenant advocates have seen and that researchers have documented in studies is that corporate landlords may file evictions at higher rates than their non-corporate counterparts. It's easier for these larger landlords to file notices because they usually have legal teams and they have the ability to fight out these lawsuits in court. They're just 
better equipped to go through the eviction process, which can often be very onerous and time-consuming compared to smaller landlords. Susie, you've mentioned concerns over gentrification in West Oakland because of landlords like Neil Sullivan. And there's also been complaints about living conditions in some of the homes that he owns. What are some of the complaints? I downloaded complaint data from Oakland's Building and Planning Department. It's really difficult because this data is pretty messy and complaint inspectors are pretty short-staffed, and so it's hard for them to respond to all complaints. But I did find at least 85 complaints related to habitability issues or potentially illegal construction related to addresses currently owned by Sullivan Companies since 2013. And some of the complaints that inspectors have confirmed involved issues like rampant mold, really shoddy electrical wiring, um, rodent infestations, raw sewage leaks. You know, tenants also occasionally file lawsuits against SMC. In one lawsuit filed in 2018, the building department did inspect these units and did find violations. And SMC also admitted to habitability concerns. The lawsuit alleged that these units had so much mold and mildew that mushrooms were growing inside of the unit. There were raw sewage leaks again, and rooms smelled like sewage, and there was a rat infestation, and uh, the windows of the units also wouldn't open or close. A lot of tenants have had like serious complaints with these units. Susie, you visited and interviewed an SMC tenant who you called Linda in your story. We're using an alias in keeping with the Chronicle's confidential sources policy because she fears retaliation for speaking out. We spoke to Linda, and she had similar issues like you're describing. Let's listen to what she had to say. It's just kind of a dank apartment. <laughs> I've got purifiers running all the time, and um, it's all I've always had those running, and it's just never been manageable. And I have started to see it coming from, like, behind the paint in my bathroom. I'm immunocompromised. I often wonder if I lived somewhere else, if I would be having the same health issues that I have. Linda also shared that she had holes open up in her walls. It's literally just a hole and it's empty inside. There's no insulation. There's nothing in between. And I can see wood slats in there. It's like the wall is disintegrating. And it's wet. You can feel the moisture. Um, I see lots of moisture build in my windowsills, and that definitely makes me nervous. There's also like cracks that have popped up on the outside of the house. Susie, pretty concerning living conditions here, but tenants like Linda rely on this housing. It's not like they could easily find somewhere else to live, right? I mean, there's a serious affordable housing shortage in Oakland, and I've heard tenants tell me that they wish they could leave SMC properties, but they're slightly more affordable than other options in the area, and so they can't. SMC is also a provider of housing for Section 8 tenants, and so it can often be harder for those folks to move because the process for getting housing is already pretty difficult. Moving itself is quite expensive. So yeah, a lot of these tenants really don't have that much else they can do. More with Chronicle Data reporter Susie Nielsen after a quick break. We'll hear how Neil Sullivan has responded to complaints from tenants and discuss the city and state policies in place to protect renters like Linda. We'll be right back. Did you know the number one way people discover new podcasts is word of mouth from their friends? So if you enjoy Fifth Emission, we'd love it if you tell someone about our show, even if it's just one person. Thanks for helping us make new friends. 
Susie, before the break, we talked about maintenance complaints raised by SMC tenants. You spoke to the owner of SMC, Neil Sullivan. How did he respond when you asked him about these issues? Neil is very adamant that his company is very quick to respond to repairs and denied. Basically, all of the examples I gave to him, he said, were either false or exaggerating. I spoke to a tenant who said that she had had a broken heater for three years and SMC hadn't responded to that. And he said that that was absolutely impossible, that SMC is always quick to respond to repairs and they take pride in being really good property managers. And, you know, some tenants I talked to did say SMC is really quick to respond. We always get our stuff responded to on time. It's just that that isn't always the case with tenants I've spoken to, like some of these um, plaintiffs and these lawsuits and complaints So one other thing I heard from Sullivan when I brought up these complaints is that he said he believes that a vast majority of these complaints are coming from this group called the SMC Tenants Council, which is a union of SMC tenants that formed early in the pandemic to demand rent forgiveness from Sullivan and also to, you know, advocate for better conditions in their units. So he said basically that they're a hostile activist group and he does not negotiate with them. And he believes that they're one of the main reasons why his units have had so much negative exposure. It sounds like a lot of the tenants are feeling very vulnerable to leaving their homes, getting evicted. Tell me more about the way SMC has handled eviction notices to tenants. When I asked for data from the Oakland Rent Adjustment Program, which requires that most landlords in Oakland file eviction notices with them, I got data back and was able to find that from mid-2020 to mid-2022, at least 30 unique addresses managed by SMC had received eviction notices during the pandemic. And most of those notices were for non-payment of rent. And they were mostly filed around the fall of 2020 when multiple overlapping state and federal and local eviction moratoria were in effect. Sullivan denied that they had filed any notices, but also in the fall of 2020, BuzzFeed News reported that at least 100 SMC tenants had received eviction notices in the mail um, for non-payment of rent. Now, Susie, Linda was one of the tenants who received those notices. Let's hear from her again about what it was like to receive one at the height of the pandemic. A lot of people really panicked when they got these notices. The pandemic brought a lot of people to a place that they've never been before, a place of fear and uncertainty and debt. And that debt is very real and very big and very scary, especially when you're up against somebody who has millions and millions of dollars. It's really scary to think that they could just hire whatever lawyer they want and take me down and ruin our lives in a heartbeat. How did Sullivan respond, Susie? When I asked Sullivan about these notices, he said that they were sent in error, that he did not mean to evict anybody. But to me, the language that they are rescinding the notices doesn't really jive with that interpretation of what happened. So I'm still kind of confused, and I tried to lay that out in the story as cleanly as possible. But there seems to be some kind of conflicting narrative about what happened in the fall of 2020. At this point, what protections do SMC tenants have? Yeah, so right now, um, the Oakland and Alameda County eviction moratoria are both still in effect, but the COVID emergency is about to expire, and it's very possible that those moratoria could be expired, one or both of them, in which case SMC tenants will once again be vulnerable to 
evictions for non-payment of rent. And I think that a lot of them are feeling scared. And I don't really know how Sullivan's team will respond. He has told me that he has not raised rent for any of his tenants over the course of the pandemic and that he's committed to working with people who are behind on rent to not evict them. Um, I think some tenants feel afraid anyway, based on, you know, receiving all these notices in the past and knowing about these previous evictions. At the same time, Susie, Linda shared that she and others have found this to be kind of a galvanizing experience. Here's what she had to say about that. This eviction moratorium, even if it ends soon, has given us some recognition of the ways that housing has been transformed and exploited. I personally have paid my landlord over $120,000 of my own money, which is about what they bought my property for. I would rather own a home, <laughs> but I, I feel like all of us are entrapped in this cycle. And I feel like SMC snatching up so many properties and really just kind of dominating the market in that way has made my city a, a much different place. Susie, not everyone feels that SMC and Neil Sullivan has had this negative impact on West Oakland. Who are his supporters and what do they say about him? Also, in the course of my reporting, I spoke to this man named Marcus Johnson. He is a Black West Oaklander and he has lived in the Prescott his whole life and his family moved to the Prescott in the 1940s. And he's very passionate about the neighborhood. He runs the Prescott Neighborhood Council, which is a local neighborhood group, his feelings about Sullivan are not uniformly positive. Like, he agrees that Sullivan's motives may have been transactional or he may have been motivated by profit to purchase these homes. But what he cares about is impact. And he's a really, really big fan of the neighborhood's historic Victorian homes, which are quite beautiful. And Sullivan put the time and money into beautifying the neighborhood, into making these homes livable again. So, He's a defender of Sullivan, I would say. And then some tenants I spoke to said they really liked their SMC units and hadn't had issues. Um, and Sullivan's also, you know, defended himself, too. Uh, he talked to me about how he's planted a lot of trees in the yards of his units that weren't there before. And he's allied with local community activists against Oakland implementing a coal shipping corridor uh, because West Oakland already has a lot of air pollution. And Sullivan's been kind of vocal about that. Well, I think that brings up a good question, because I think when we talk about the housing crisis in the Bay Area and gentrification, it may be easy to point fingers at certain characters as as being the drivers of those trends. As someone who's been looking at corporate landlords closely for some time now, what's sort of your takeaway from this? There's a lot of debate on whether corporate landlords have a positive or negative impact on communities. And I think the answer is complex. For people who do believe that corporate landlords are uniformly negative and have a negative impact, I would just say that they're a pretty small part of the overall housing crisis. California's main issue is just, it's so hard to afford housing here. And I think overall, renter and tenant protections are not as strong as they should be. And so it makes it possible for larger landlords and smaller landlords to create conditions that might not be ideal for tenants while not really facing accountability for that. So I would say this story is happening in a much bigger picture of housing unaffordability and lack of renter protections. 
Susie Nielsen is a data reporter at The Chronicle. You can find her latest story and the property database she helped create online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thank you to Francesca Fenzi and Sarah Feldberg for helping to produce and edit this episode and to you for listening. <laughs>